You ever watch a movie or a TV show and say to yourself, you know, I've seen that person in a bunch of stuff. What's their name? Or someone's explaining a movie to you and you ask, well, who's in it? And they say the person's name and you say, well, I don't know who that is. You pull up a photo of that person and suddenly you're like, holy shit, I know exactly who that is. They were that person and that thing. That is a lot in life of a solid character actor. Someone as recognizable as any superstar and has probably been in something with said superstar, but without the constant mob attention or all those terrible $100 million problems. A character actor works because they exemplify the real skill set of their craft. They have to deliver on a moment's notice, often without any of the attention the primary actors get and are expected to nail it on every take. The character actor isn't the reason the scenes, <clears throat> the scene is being shot 15 times. That's usually for damn sure. But every once in a while, the character actor breaks through. They find that something that propels them beyond the grocery clerk or the ninth bill bad cop role. That chance lead role that really resonates with the public or they win a major award and become so recognized they are constantly asked to sign autographs, or have their photos taken. They finally get a little taste and appreciation for their dedication to their art. This is the territory of the Harry Dean Stantons, the Tilda Swintons, the James Gandolfinis. This is the territory of Mark Boone Jr. And we have him here on $5 Buzz. We're back. Uh, Boone, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I just wanted to thank you uh, for taking the time today. Uh, I've seen a lot of your work and uh, you've done a lot of dope shit. So thank you for the time. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Cincinnati. And if I'm not mistaken, the northern uh, shore of Chicago, was that like the Lake Forest region? What part of Illinois were you in after you left Cincinnati? Well, I don't know. Do we have any time after that opening speech? <laughs> yes. Not character actors. I, I didn't say. Wrong. <laughs> Wait. So you you were your a hey, Boone? You're taking issue with my cold open? I. It was so cold, man. It was cold, cold, <laughs> hard, cold. The the gritty life of a character actor, just brutal. And it's so true. Thank you. No, it was great. It was obviously that, you know, you were speaking from your own heart. Yeah, this is absolutely correct, sir. Yeah, exactly. So, it, yeah, no, it was great, actually. It's really it was right on, right on the right on the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cincinnati. Yeah, I grew up in Cincinnati, Cincinnati. I don't know, you know, Midwest. Uh, it, it It's different uh, than the west coast and it's different from the east coast um i've lived on i've lived both places now all three places of three regions and i've done i've lived uh, i've spent a lot of time in the south too because making movies down there and, you know but uh midwest is it's cool it's different the people are like i don't know there's something they're just nicer or something for the most part so how, so how does a fella from uh big 10 country uh find his way out to the university of vermont uh i think you were playing soccer and 
tell the people what uh, Burlington, Vermont was like in, uh, I guess it was the 1970s, would it be? 70s, yeah, early 70s. I, uh, you know, yeah, I was playing soccer. That was like one of my passions, uh, I guess. But, you know, I, there was no, I really thought I could, might want to play like professional soccer. Um, and I'd been an athlete since I was so young. I just played baseball and basketball and then football. And then I discovered the wonder, wonders of the game of soccer. And, uh, and, and very quickly just really dove into, into that sport. And, um, Whatever I did, you know, I just wanted to get as far away from my parents <laughs> as possible. So, you know, who were uh, who made a habit of showing up at every soccer game that I played. So I, you know, I didn't really want that. I didn't really think I wanted to go to school. You know, early seventies was a different time, and I was, you know, probably what people would call a hippie. Well, that must have been an interesting uh, town to be in, no? What, Burlington? Burlington? Yeah. Burlington was, sounds... yeah. I, I mean, it. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was just in Middlebury, where my son lives now. I, so I was back in Vermont. I actually didn't go up to Burlington, but I, I've been there recently. And it, it they've, you know, put some pretty um, hardcore uh, rule laws in about changing the the looks of Burlington. You can't build anything. They ruined it. <laughs> I got one of those running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so you you can't. So it's it still looks, you know, like you know, turn of the century, and uh, it's a beautiful town. Yeah. And yeah, that the, 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 the huh? You, did you say they fucked it up though? No, no, Burlington, no. Oh, it's still it's remained. Well, they did. They did. They actually allowed in <clears throat> in the um, probably the late sixties or something. They started. They tore down a, a hunk of of downtown, and then put up some really ugly buildings. But somehow they sort of stopped that. Okay. Quickly. So there's just this one section that has some not very good looking buildings. They they were very they were very big on uh, preserving the waterfront up there in the state of Vermont. Actually, uh, my my father lives in Burlington. I grew up in Plattsburgh, if you can believe it. Right. And uh, and you know the state of Vermont. You, there's actually a rule. They don't even have they have no billboards on the highway, and they they do do their best to keep it as uh the green mountains as pretty as they possibly can oh, it's so green beautiful here. beautiful uh, place up there Montpelier, the, the, it's the only state capital of the united states that does not have a fast food restaurant montpelier yeah, Mont yeah. it's a very beautiful town it's right yeah. at the foot of the mountains and really really beautiful i i made a movie in plattsburgh we used to play the soccer we played plattsburgh always beat them <laughs> yeah, Plattsburgh State when you were at UVM. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that was actually a big soccer town. I grew up. I myself grew up playing soccer, and I mean, North Country and Northern Vermont and North, and North Country uh, in Northern New York are huge soccer 
uh, areas for sure. And I came, I came from one in, in, in high school, the northern, the, the suburbs of Chicago back then, and St. Louis actually was for some reason like crazy soccer town yeah back then i i didn't um end up playing pro soccer but i i i played i played in the oldest league in america i played in a, in a thing called the german american league or then became the cosmopolitan league and the north american soccer league which was the league that pele started you or they built a league around pele yeah. Mm -hmm. and the, the New York Cosmos and the blah, 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 blah. Well, the New York Cosmos came out of the, that franchise came out of that league that I'm talking about because it was all ethnically oriented. It all, all built on Greek, German, mm -hmm. English, Irish, uh, Haitian, Ukrainian, all the, all the, 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 a, a lot of the ethnicities in New York City, and it was a great league. You know, all the actually at that time, the league started in that league started in '73, and at, at when I went when I was in New York, I started there in '77. I is when I moved there, or '76 or something around there, and so that league had just started, and they all the local players from that league played in that league that I was playing in the in the cosmopolitan league it was it, it was whatever quite an experience amazing why did you stop though what happened why did i stop it if i told you this story roger about I, the I, I you may have but i'd like no, to the the last well <laughs> the last season that i played in that league i you know i was pretty pretty brutal kind of player like, I mean, I was very physical and also, I mean, if I can say very smart, mm, we, smart we skilled, physical player, I was really would have played. I would have played pro if my college coach didn't hate my guts and didn't <laughs> give me a letter that would have gotten me drafted into that league. And that's that's a real story. But anyway. I, then I wouldn't have had the, the life that I've had. So any it's, but um, uh, so in this, one of the early games of, of the last season that I played organized soccer, um, I committed a foul, but I didn't think it was a foul. And the, the, it was an Italian, probably very religiously Catholic Italian and I, from across the field, I called him a mother. Yeah. <laughs> and he immediately, you know, gave me a yellow card, which is like a warning. Yeah. And then he proceeded every game that I played in that league. He showed up and refereed it. And then the first time I would touch the ball, he would, no matter what, Oh my God. He would blow the whistle and I would get a yellow card. So I was on like, you know, little the eternal shit list. It was, oh. it was incredible. So I just like, and then I started to get, that's when I, that's when I started to get, um, you know, it was independent movie work. You know, you know, I think I, I think I got a, 
a job doing a, a, a movie, uh, Leandro Katz, who is like a great artist. Mm -hmm. um, he, that's, I think, I think I got my first movie right then, you know, but a movie that I can't remember the name of it now, but um, a movie that, that was made up exclusively of stills. He'd shot like with one of those cameras that went and then he he animated it all together and then and and it it was in the cahier de cinema the yeah like 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 a flip book kind of a thing right like an animated but also not unlike uh la jete too the uh the classic uh french film yeah yeah like I say, it was in it was it, it 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 there was an article about it in Cahiers de Cinema back then in the in the that was I don't know when that was seventy nine something like that. And so that would be one of your very first film roles that you ever had. Like, yeah, that was in New York. That was in New York. I moved to New York, and uh, I thought I was you know gonna be I don't know what I thought. I was going to be a painter or something. I I was doing a lot of painting. I did a lot of photography and painting and printmaking, a lot of printmaking, a lot of clay. I made a lot. I worked a lot with clay uh, in during in those mid seventies. I didn't know that. Yeah, lots of clay. I knew you were interested in being an artist first. I mean, when you yeah, I didn't realize what uh, mediums you were necessarily. Yeah. But people were always trying to, I don't know. I it, it started very early on. People would go like, you should be an actor or, you know, you, I, I, yeah. And, you know, and people tried to get me into theater stuff in schools and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, big it's amazing to say that like, though, there is a, I feel like there's a correlation between artists and, and good actors. I mean, if you see a lot of the, the great actors of our time, they all started similarly. Photographers. Dennis Hopper was a big photographer. Uh, I think you can find a lot of them are musicians or uh, or artists in some respect. Beyond, like as far as beyond beyond yeah. acting. Um, I mean, well, the really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I never say that I'm an actor. It's not. That's not really what I go around. Say, hey, I'm an actor. Well, what do you go around telling people? I don't know. A lot of people, I say, you know, I, I get a lot of action, you know, on the street very often. And um, they, I get a lot of, are you an actor? That's like a, the first, you know, or they <laughs> recognize me from specific things, you know. And when I, they, generally when I say, when they ask, are you an actor? I'm like, I do get accused of that often. So that's about as far as I go on that one. Moon, can you tell the listeners uh, what the 1970s New York City was like when you well, arrived? I moved there. When I moved there, New York had been bank bankrupt literally six months before I moved there. Um, there was. This is the Deacons era, right? Koch, probably, right? No, 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 no. No, it's. Uh... No, it's it's a beam. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Abe right, Dean, yeah. who was you know I don't know he probably got a lot of payback I, I don't know what that dude was up to but he he was out like right before I moved there and he bankrupted the the, the city 
quite literally, so was, it was bankrupt. So everything was, nothing worked really. There was, the roads were like mountain. They Nobody were, would, mountain no one mountain. would, no one would go on the subway. It was like the warriors or it was like taxi driver. It was that era, correct? Well, everybody had to go on the subway, but they, they, it was, it was really up there. There was a guy who'd get on the subway regular. I, I've been trained by the army to kill. He killed in 35 <laughs> ways. I don't want to kill, but I need money. I need money now. And he did that with that dude rode the subways for years and he made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, that was when that who I can't remember that dude's name who killed the shot like four guys in the subway. Oh, Bernard Getz. Bernard Getz. Yeah. I mean, that was all, you know, it's all going on. It was, it was an, Graffiti everywhere. I I was in one of my the first lead in a movie I got was called Landlord Blues. Um, Burkhart, his name Jacob Burkhart. I think his father was a, a filmmaker too, a uh, good one. Um, and he this he was making a movie. He wanted to make a movie. I and I he, I was the lead in that movie. And I saw he I think in the last year or something i hadn't seen it in years and years and i don't even know if i ever saw it truthfully and he sent me a copy of it and it was we shot it all over the lower east side there was so much graffiti Mm -hmm. everywhere yeah everywhere covering every building every surface that's the time of jean-michel basquiat who i knew who was 16 years old when i when i moved to, to new york city and i would you know i wasn't that much older um, he was going out with Esther Ballant when they were six, when they were 16. And um, the, uh, uh, um, and yeah. not only were they, there were, there were empty lots everywhere and those were community gardens or they were forests. I mean, with trees, like, you know, trees, you know, that big around. Yeah, and so they'd been growing there for a while. Mm-hmm. And Boone, there was some decent rock and roll being played in that part of New York, right? Everybody was in a band. There, yeah. everybody had a band. It was, I mean, CBGBs. You know, I lived, I lived on the Lower East Side. I, my first apartment was on uh, St. Mark's Place, right off of Third Avenue. Literally, the first building on the north side. Right. Um, and uh, I lived there for a, a couple of years or two. I don't know. Yeah, few years. Few years. I had a job. I got a job in an African arts gallery, faking uh, African art. And uh, <laughs> and um, then yeah, CBGBs was you know right down. The, I never went to CBGBs. I I went to a lot of other clubs. It was the time of disco, actually. Yeah, is I mean, what was going on there uh, when I when I moved there and you know to parties where there were hundred a hundred people and all doing the hustle like yes. together they all knew the steps like it was like no okay <laughs> out um and but punk came in right then and you know it was and and 
house. Mud Club and uh, Max's Kansas City and CBGB's and all those. Yeah, Max's died like right then, right yeah. when I moved there. But there was one university that was where a, a lot of people who were at Max's Kansas City moved over there. Um, you know, I met a I met a guy named Tom Wright who uh, produced Underground USA and was a right. star in that movie. Eric Mitchell. Eric uh, Mitchell's you were in a couple of Eric Mitchell stuff. Huh? You were in a couple of Eric Mitchell stuff too. I was in The Way It Is, Eric Mitchell. Right. Just, just one movie. Steve, okay. Eric Mitchell uh, with Steve Buscemi. Um, uh, well, um, um, what's his name? Oh, God. The guy, you know. Wait, describe him. Vinny. Vinny. Uh, Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo. He was like 18. It was his first movie, I believe. Buffalo 66? No. Yeah. No, no. Not, not he didn't make it. The no, way no, no. It no, he was saying, he was verifying that same guy who did Buffalo 66. Okay. Yes, it is the same guy who eventually. Vincent Gallo was acted acted in the way it is. Right, that's right. His first movie. He would Vin Vin Vinny was like this dude who would change everything like like six months. One one time he'd be he, you know he's driving cars across the country. Then the next he, six months later he's always in bike gear. He's like got you know the the fanciest bikes he's riding all over and and he collected you know he used to collect yeah i don't know if he's still doing it guitars and sell them in like Vinny made a shit ton of money selling old guitars right good guitars very you know unique guitars and and gar cars yeah you were also uh rockets red glare was in that with you too the way it is yes no. Yep, it says right here in Wikipedia, man. Is it was he was Rockets in that? Yeah. Well, that's how I got that. The first acting that I well, not the first, not the first acting, I guess, but I started. Rockets start wanted to start a a um, cabaret. A cabaret, taxi cabaret. You know about this? I do. Yeah. Well, I he was working at the at a place called the Red Bar. He was the doorman. I was a, a bartender there. It was an art bar where all the freaking every artist that you know now was at that was would come in this way. It was like a bathroom with a big red Formica bar in it. <laughs> really painted white, big red rhombus. Yeah. Anyway, Rockets started. I, I had to break up so many fights that Rockets started, you know, as the doorman. And um well if the place was that small, I mean he would take up half the room on himself. <laughs> no, it wasn't sm as small as a bathroom, but it was like a regular storefront. It was on the corner seventh and first Avenue. Okay. I know exactly where that's at. It's a it, it it was a hardware store. I don't know what it is now. Okay. Um but um yeah, and then we started we started a cabaret in, in uh down the block. Uh, it's called in a club called Late Again, and did that's where I did my first. I did Tom Wright and I wrote a did a series called the Manhood series, in which Steve was a we it was a thing about of us 
going across the country. And the first episode was with John Lurie. Yeah. And we wrote an episode uh, about fishing with John Lurie, which he then later turned into a, a series called Fishing with John Lurie. Fishing with John. That's, yeah. oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And we, we did a, a, a thing where he, the band he our, ours was a, a fiction and he was, we met him out in the woods. Tom and I were driving across country and stopped to fish. And then he comes walking up and he, you know, whatever the kid's character was suicidal and he he was he had just broken up with his wife and you know it's funny how art mirrors life i know i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> have, you, have you have you seen john did you see john's new show the painting with john i have no. not seen that show yet no oh you, you haven't heard of that because he, no, he's I've been a painter he's been painting for years now and great paintings beautiful paintings for those of people who don't know who John Lurie is, John Lurie was a musician in a band called Lounge Lizards with Arto Lindsay from DNA. And he also, um, you know, famously uh, got the lead role in the Jim Jarmusch picture that put them both on the map, uh, I guess, a little more um, mainstream for Stranger Than Paradise. Well, Stranger Than Paradise was like the, made more money than any independent movie had made at the time like i think it was like a you know that it topped like a million dollars in 1986 some something like that really yeah 86 it came out 80 is 85 or 86 right around that time the same time as the movie birdie came out with and, which, and also spite and also um she's got to have it about the same year and and that also starred esther ballant that's correct and and uh and um yeah. You told people, some stories about Stranger in Paradise. Is there anything you want to elaborate on? Stranger in Paradise? Yeah. About that? Yeah. There's something special about that movie and you? Really? Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can, we can move on. You told me I, did I, I don't I don't I can't remember. I mean, that's Esther Ballant. I, I ended up living with Esther Ballant for a number of years in New York. <laughs> But I didn't meet her there through that. No, I know that. Uh, um, you, you had you had a different um, take on the story. I think you were uh, at one point were you up for a role in the movie? No, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Richard Edson and yes, and yeah, no, they. I mean, Jarmish came to to the that that series that that manhood series that Tom and I were doing, and it was about driving and. Uh, you know, across the country, and in that show, they drive across the country, and it 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 was spookily, eerily similar to what Tom and I were doing in that series. Okay. But but Jarma showed up there. But yeah, you know that's that, that's a that movie's that's a damn good movie. I, I, mean, I don't I don't yeah. take anything from that movie. No, Jarmusch is one of our fine finest directors. And an institution unto himself. Um, the uh, so around that time, so you're you're building up steam. You 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 and uh, uh, Basimi are are doing taxi cabaret, and you're you're doing stand up comedy too. I believe at that time, no, right? We didn't do any. We Steve and I never did stand up comedy. Oh, but you did. No, I didn't. He did. Steve. Oh, okay. When I when I met Steve, getting my timelines all fucked up. 
Yeah, no, well, Steve, Steve had a, you know, he did stuff at, at the improv and stuff like that. When um, Steve actually, how all that happened, he lived down 10th Street and the, that bar was there. He used to come in the red bar. The first thing, Steve and I did some, some performance art thing. Uh, and that's how we, or we met in the bar. But Tom, that guy, Tom Wright, who actually just died recently, very recently. I just did a memorial for him this past weekend, unfortunately. But right. um, he uh, he had come to town with Linda Hamilton <clears throat> from the Eastern shore of Maryland. And they both went to Strasburg Institute where Steve, when Steve was 17, went to the Strasburg Institute also. And he partnered up in, a, in an acting class with Linda Hamilton. And so Tom was like, guys, my girlfriend doing scenes. And it did. So he knew he knew Steve from that. And when he walked into the bar, he was like, ah, let then that was years later. I mean, you know, years later. So, so so when when do you start, let's just say when you know, not Mr. Not Actor, when do you start actually start? becoming more involved in Steve, Steve and, well, after Tom and I like we did that that series at the manhood in in the taxi cabaret and then we had some fight or something and then and and I wanted to continue doing stuff in and so I partnered with a woman named Jessica Stutchbury then we needed another character so I thought oh Steve get Steve and that's when Steve and I started working together right. and like we did that thing with Jessica and then then from that sort of that moment on for the next <clears throat> eight nine years or something we eight eight years we did many 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 shows in New York City at, at all over at the live these little clubs Club Da Rinca a, you know and we ended up doing the last shows that we did together at, at uh, La Mama. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was, a you know. Whatever. I know who she is. Yeah. Well, that's Ellen Stewart. But we weren't really associated with that. It was some, it was a program. They called it La Mama, et, et cetera, et cetera, about local people in, in yeah, actually, you know, weren't. Ellen had always had international, you know, really well-known theater groups come in and stuff like that we just and we that we did a bunch of shows there and then uh is that, that was, is that how you guys because you both ended up in new york stories right the uh scorsese bit but you, new york you were, stories you were, uh well that's yeah i'm i mean i'm sort of in that right i know you're sort of <laughs> in that i i realize that steve got the bigger well, Steve got, got Steve did a did a, a part of a monologue from one of our shows. That's what I was getting to. In the in the in that in that um in that movie. And then I was supposed to be his friend who walks up and and um you know greets him after he comes off of stage. And he's got something going on with Roseanne Arquette and blah 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 who was at the time living with Peter Gabriel and- it's in the movie too. Well, Peter Gabriel actually 
all day long, I, you know, I was there waiting and I, I actually with um, Nick Nolte, Steve and I were in, in Nick's trailer um, dressing room, which was like one of the VIP rooms in this big thing called the tunnel. And so we just were in there talking all day. He just invited us in there and we just spent the whole day in there. And the scene that I, that Steve and I were doing was late in the, in the day. And uh, so I show up at the, at the, the, to shoot the scene and there's Peter Gabriel and um, he, Martin Scorsese has decided to give him my part. <laughs> and he says, he uh, says to, he's, he tell, he's, he's talking to Peter, blah, 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 blah. Cause Roseanne had been following Martin around all day going like, Can, Peter's gotta be doing the thing that, but Peter's getting, you gotta give him a part, blah, 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 blah. I swear. Anyway, and so, you know, Scorsese's talking to Peter, blah, 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 Lizzie, I want you to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I come in and he goes, oh, and, and Scorsese goes, oh, and you follow him in <laughs> to, to me. Now, you know, I, I'm like, really? No, I, I'm the principal here. I'm, you know, if you didn't want me to do that part, then just, you know, send me home. Give me the little squandly little money that I would make and just say, thank you for coming in. Maybe we could work together again sometime. Right? Yeah. Well, no, he didn't say that. No, and Boone, you also ended up doing it. No, no, what happened is... <laughs> Peter, he, Scorsese walks away. Peter immediately turns to me and goes like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? I don't know how to act. What is, I, what am I supposed to, I do you know what? And I said, okay, 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 Peter, don't, yeah. This is what you do. We walk in and you just go, hey, how you doing? And oh, this is my friend, whatever. I can't remember the name. And I said, I'll take it from there. And that's what I did. And I came in, he did that. He said, oh, that's good. Okay, 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 that's good, good. And I walked in with him, drunk acting, drunk out of my mind. Hey, you were, you were with Nick Nolte all day, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't see Nick for 25 years. I'm at an audition for that black and white movie, Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Okay. Alexander Payne. Yeah. Yes. Nick and I almost ended up doing that movie, Father and Son, that okay. we were in the running until the very latest, latest thing. And we met and and he comes out, he was in the in the room before with with pain and and the and everybody be right before me and i'd been waiting and he came out and he's like boone hadn't seen me for 25 years from this day that i'm describing amazing amazing yep. yeah, I was like, what the fuck because we did we had a great time in there all day 
And so anyway, scores the, the, the assistant director, cut, 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 comes running in. He goes like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. Acting drunk. I'm like, yeah, acting. I was came in like, yo, what's up, man? You know, like just fuck you. Fuck you, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> anyway. Go home and get your really no respect. You talk about character actor, you know? No yeah. respect. All you had to do was say, Thank you for coming. Ba 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 ba. But not this. You instead, instead Peter Gabriel gets it, and you're teaching Peter Gabriel how to act. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. So you follow him in. I'm like, brutal. This guy's got a couple of fancy videos with some fancy animation. You know, yeah. let's no, all. He, you know, he was he, Peter Gabriel, great. But anyway, of course. So uh, you know, I did it even worse. The second time, I'm even worse. More drunk, more loud, ridiculous. <laughs> they had to change the whole scene. It was this big swooping camera in a big crowd they had to change the whole scene and of course i have never worked with martin hey how you doing martin you know and and that's unfortunate you know he missed out and i did too he sounds like that uh man keeping score in the soccer matches man <laughs> the rough I, I was i will yeah i you know respect is a big deal you know you gotta For respect sure. people absolutely but, what what would you say was um I mean other than your little time what would you say was the first like real big role that you had you know in a, in a bigger movie you know beyond I know that there was stalwart of the independent scene certainly and and in no, and out that, I I know, I didn't really aspire to do big movies I know you didn't I'm just asking but, um, I'm, not, you I'm know, not trying to categorize you in that way I'm just I, the biggest movie I, I I never have had a really big role in a big movie I mean oh no uh, you know I had a pretty substantial role in quick and the dead yes I had a I, I'd, I'd say that's a was in a substantial role it was um you know I it's uh like you were in I, die I, hard I, too I don't how big was your role in Die Hard 2? I don't remember. Die Hard 2 was a very small role. Right. Okay. But that changed my life because I, you know, had never made that. That was that was when they actually did respect character actors. And uh, you know, I was that's a you know, that the craziest thing. We there were 10, you know, guys who got hired to be, you know, the the bad guys. The bad guys. They lined us up. They lined us up, Rennie, Rennie Harlan, yeah, and uh, and I don't know, maybe and the and not, yeah, I guess the producer Joel, Joel, Joel Silver, Silver, yeah, one of the more incredible producers in the world. <laughs> anyway, um, oh. and they lined us up out. Uh, you know, they got us together. You know, like I don't know, a month before or something like that, and lined us up, and they just walked down the 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 line of us, and going like, "Oh, you should be um, what what which which guy should he be? Um, oh, I don't know, Jerry. You can be Jerry. <laughs> I swear to God, that's how they cast those ten parts. Oh." Lord. <laughs> That's how they cast those 10 parts. And they walk down, like, yeah, okay. Um, 
what's that guy? He does he, he does he kill anybody? No, he, he's like <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, Mark, good, okay, like that. So you know, well, one of those guys that was one of your henchmen with you. I, I, I know Don Harvey. Don, yeah, Don. I didn't do any scenes with Don. Yeah. You know? And Leguizamo was one of the henchmen. Leguizamo, Leguizamo is great. I did a, I did a, a Columbia, a, a, a graduate film with Leguizamo before that. Oh wow! Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's an interesting kind of club you guys are all in though. That character actors, it's, it's sad to hear that they don't. You're saying they don't respect character actors anymore, which oh, I fear anymore. is probably true. But what a, what an awesome, I mean, group to be to be put into if you had to be oh yeah that, and the history know? of character actors absolutely oh, i mean God. absolutely man you know, the great um, tom mitchell and uh, you know all i mean did you say thomas mitchell yes i said thomas mitchell you talking about from gone with the wind he's in gone with the wind the guy won like four oscars oh he's only won one and that was for the stagecoach in 1939 and he only won one well, he was he was nominated. Yeah, I mean, the guy who's won the most Oscars of the three uh, is um, what's his face? Cazal? No, 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 no. The guy with the limp, the the real McCoy. The character actors of character actors. That's right. You know what? Who? Uh, war. I mean, I. You know, I. Ah, uh, God, he's in oh, so many movies, and he's great. He's awesome. I, I know. It's like at the top of my fucking. Okay, <laughs> he's like uh, in the uh, fuck the Kentuckian. Um, uh, oh no, he's in he's in the movie with uh, <laughs> Meet John Doe. He plays you know the sidekick. The the you know come yeah. on. Oh no, he's in so many. He's I know. Amazing. I know. He's an icon. He's yeah. a fucking icon. Um, God damn. I'll remember. <laughs> I'll remember by the end of this thing. Oh, my God. This is my... Walter Brennan. Walter Brennan. Walter Brennan. Brennan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mighty. Yeah. So he won yeah. three Oscars for Come and Get It, Kentucky, and the Westerner. And right. uh, he's... Uh, uh, but he deserves so many more. Yeah. And but, only, you know, um, anyway, we could go on about Lionel Barrymore, blah, 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 blah. blah. Is, is Lionel Barrymore... a, a a character actor is, you know, what I mean. Peter Lorre, you could talk about, you know, it's like. Oh, all, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Lee. Um, no, um, I, uh, I wanted to, before we go too much further, I wanted to, uh, A, congratulate you. I understand you're, you're a, a dad to a new, a fairly new child. A new generation of A new yes. generation of children. Yeah, there's a couple of generations in between my other children. <laughs> That's and, fantastic, man. Congratulations. Uh, I myself am going to be a new father uh, next month. And, um, you know, actually, my wife worked with you on American Romance. <coughs> wow. And she sends her, her best. You guys met Vanessa. Uh -huh. um, uh, Roger had reminded me right when I first met her, you guys had just finished up that film in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, I believe, right? Yeah, Post Falls, Idaho. Beautiful. Did that movie come out even? Yeah, it was, it was on Showtime. Oh, good. God, yeah. I missed that one. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Boone. <clears throat> Pete, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Oh, Boone, I was going to say uh, one film that I just watched uh, prior to uh, having this conversation was a motion picture called Memento. And um, 
one of the things that struck me about that film is one of the last movie I the last time I saw it was in a movie theater in uh, Long Island, New York, and uh, just watched it two days ago, and it really brings us back to the analog world prior to uh, pre cell phone, even small things, seeing books, Guy Pierce talking on a landline, just such a great piece of filmmaking, and you had a great role every time you were on this uh, the screen, it really moved. Uh, the story forward and I think Roger what you said in the opening really resonated that that nothing was wasted Boone every time you're on the scene it really made an impact and uh, I think Carrie Ann Moss and Joe Pantaleone were coming off the matrix and uh, what was that experience like making that film because it still resonates today Uh, I think it's 20 plus years later and uh, what was it like meeting Nolan did it feel like this guy was on a trajectory at the time or was, was there something significant about him? What do you oh, remember? Yeah, about no, that, that, that movie was, you, you know, I got the script for that movie and started to read the script and I just read like, like, you know, like five pages and I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. So then I, by the 20th page, I'd say in the movie, I had thrown that script like across the room. Like, I don't know how many times I, it was, you know, because I'm like, there's something going on here. Something is going on here. I know it. I can feel it. There's something going on. And I just couldn't figure it out it really pissed me off and i threw that script i just destroyed that <laughs> script i had to put it together again so many times and i was like get to the end i'm like what i thought i had the movie figured out till i saw the very last couple of minutes and i'm like i don't know what's going on yeah what I, I did but I, I still don't okay you still don't you don't know the secret well, I did not. I know there's a version where they show the whole f- picture in sequence, but I haven't seen that version. No, but they, it is literally backward. Uh, you know, that's cute, Chris. And uh, you know, when we were making it, I'm like, okay, Nolan, what's up? What's up? What's, what's up? What's, what, what, what's going on? What? Come on, what's going on, man? <laughs> this is you can't just do that. You can't. This, I know there's something going. What is? Come on. And he, yep, zip. no, would not tell. And here you have um, guy. He's got these books that he has made to make it. Have you? Do you know this? He's got these books to so that he kind of knows where he is in right. the in the script in the narrative. He was completely. You know, uh, fucking no one didn't tell him either. He was in the dark as well. Wow. In the dark. And he was just, he was like, you know, performance. He he didn't have to act much, you know. I mean, he was like (laughs) very confused. (laughs) And good directing. (laughs) He was was like, you know, yeah. The other interesting thing about that film, uh, Boone, was it was shot, Roger, I think, at a 
part of LA called Tajonga. Am I saying that right? You don't really Tahunga. see that part of Tajonga. Hey guys, I, I got the Long Island accent, so let me apologize. But uh, you don't really cool. see that film too often in in the pictures that I've seen. Is that did they film a lot of uh, in Tajonga? Yeah. I made. I think I've made. Well, Sons of Anarchy, uh, the the home uh, of the the street of our of the club, club. was in Tahunga. Oh, yeah, like yeah. two blocks from two blocks from where we shot the hotel stuff. Right, and I sh I think I've shot three other movies within a five block area in Tahunga. It must be my East Coast bias, but. Uh... <laughs> I'm, I, I'm trying to be self-depreciating, but I, I really like the way that I think he shot a lot of the film early morning, just the way the movie is just so it really holds up, man. And it really uh, I just love the analog world. I'm a romantic for that time before the cell phone, before email. And there's just something about that time period. It, it just really resonates with me. And it was it's such a great fucking movie, man. It's a yeah, I've been in some really good movies. That's one of them. That one is a really good, good one. And and again, some pretty good TV. I mean, Patriot. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know that series, but that's a yeah, really good, good show. I've been in a bunch of good, 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 good stuff, actually. What, what is your, I mean, that's a good question, Boone. I mean, what are some of the favorite stuff that you that that you were part of? Patriot, I is that character that I play in Patriot. I I just love that character. He's he's you know it's finally something you know. I'm it's a, he's a, such a the sweetest man on earth. Um, you don't yeah. get that very often. <laughs> no, I don't. I I mean, no, I don't. Yeah, you know. But uh, I, it it it's uh, that's fun. I mean, Trees Lounge is you know just such a great movie in that. That was the, the, you know, Stevie, Semi and I were partners for about eight years. I don't know. We did many, 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 many shows in New York City. And that, that movie was kind of the, the end of, you know, was like put a period on that, that eight year friendship or, or working together. What a way to go out. That's a phenomenal picture. I love yeah. that movie to death. The, and, you know, the, the, uh, the Sopranos, the who's David, uh, who who made Milch, Mr. I believe. No, David, Mil David not Milch. Um, no, not no, that was uh, that was Deadwood. Yeah, David who, Chase. Chase, yes, Chase. Yeah, he told Steve that he based, you know, that the 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 Sopranos, the the Colonel that started it was Trees Lounge. Right. Oh wow. Does. It is. It's like you when you if you see the if you if you look at Trees Lounge and then watch the Sopranos. It's it's the the thematic and also the stylistic, because the Sopranos is kind of funny, you know. But there's there's no jokes and Trees Lounge there's no joke. Then it would nobody. But it's it's funny in very much the same way. He got it right, you know. He and he just went like, "Ooh, that's a gem, right? That that." style is a real gem family funny weird stupid shit and you know dark at the same time and dark <laughs> dark and trees land is dark you know and, it is definitely dark yeah 
but I mean, it's, you know, you bring up the Sopranos and, you know, you've got, you know, as Roger had mentioned earlier, you know, you, 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 you come upon this role in Sons of, in Sons of Anarchy and you, it's certainly fair to say that that show can be in that higher level of the long form storytelling that Sopranos, Oz, Six Feet Under and those types of shows kind of started with HBO back then. But I would I think it's just I think it's just fitting that you would be a part of a show as I think culturally important as Sons of Anarchy is right up there with all those other original long form and and at that I mean do you think that's more the way we're going to be we're going to be seeing stories told moving forward and are those are those the more interesting roles now for someone like you um what do you mean like murder like no like 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 getting involved getting involved in that long form and that 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 long road of being on a show like that was that a great experience or was that just another experience kind of thing a brutal seven years it was oh yeah i mean you know the things that we had to do uh just I don't even want to I don't even want to list them yeah you know the horrors of going to work that the that the you know we did we did as a club to people yeah but you know that I mean me Charlie Hunnam um Tommy Tommy and and DL really and uh and and Kim to some degree, we we uh, we tried to make the best of it. You know, it was it really was was brutal and and uh, just the the nature of the of the show. And you, there was no relief really. Yeah, it um, translated on screen. I mean, you guys always looked physically punished in in some to some sense. You know that yeah it because. We shot it in the middle of summer, in in leathers in yeah, the Jesus. valley uh, in the hunger, hundred and five <laughs> degrees, a hundred. One season it was like three weeks straight, a hundred and twelve. You know, I mean wow. it was like it was so brutal. But anyway, it you know, um, as far as storytelling, you know, I I thought that when cable came and when it, it just I, I it really felt to me like an opportunity to to tell stories exactly how they should be told I think unfortunately that has kind of gotten perverted by su the success of television shows like the Sons of Anarchy or whatever because they, you know, the people want to keep them going because mm. they make a lot of money. It's a cash cow. And, and, and I think there's a, a, lately there's a, maybe it's the pandemic, but I, I, I get the feeling that there's a bit of an adjustment there where the people are going to, you know, maybe go back to, or go to the, idea okay there's a story if, if it's 10 episodes it should be 10 episodes if it's yeah. a 
It'll be three episodes. It should be three episodes. I think what's what's happened is people, producers particularly, realize that nothing has to disappear. So if something's good, you can always find it now. <clears throat> you can always find a place for it to make some money, to keep it going, and to get and that and that it it spreads its its influence wherever and people talk and blah blah blah. You know, the Sons of Anarchy. There's still people like fresh oh, yeah. people getting you know acquainted with that and and they you know come up to it and i mean i, I you know i did an episode of the manchurian i mean the man, uh, the Lord, the man that, what is that that thing has been seen by a billion people now like yeah. literally so that was a question i was going to ask you what was it like working on the xr stage that was that was very easy i mean you know green screen is such a pain in the ass and that it's uh you know that you got the camera i don't know if you if anybody if you need to, an explanation, but it, you know, the cameras is hooked up to the, to the environs. So when they move the camera, it moves. And then, so, you know, you're, you're in an environment. I mean, I was in the, the environment I was in was a big environment. Yes. You know, the, the place where I was. I the, saw the episode. Yes. My, my, you know, hot, hot uh, chop shop of space vehicles. You know, so that was different than I don't know how. I mean, it seems like a lot of the the uh, stuff is in a in that kind of big environment. So you know, it's 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 it's, got, it's becoming. And I'm about to uh, embark on. Um, I can't really talk about it too much right now, but I'm about to embark on a situation where I'll be working on two of those stages uh, for about a, a probably a couple of years. And it's an interesting process in that, uh, in that, what what this is, you know, the, the Mandalorian or the Lion King or Lion King Two, or uh, those are big movies that can afford those stages that are not cost effective for smaller productions. But now that that's actually starting to change, and that's what I was getting at, that that will become more of a process uh, in the future and will be affordable for people who want to tell smaller stories even, and yet still create a, a, an ultra realistic environment using the XR stage as well as the, what they call Unreal Engine effects, which could be used for even something as simple as like the Wolf of Wall Street. And, you know, something you wouldn't think of using a stage like that uh, actually is utilized quite well for what they call set extensions and so forth uh, that they can do in that environment um, it's not necessarily just a science fiction or fantasy element or no, narrative. Not, no. It beats, it, what, it beats 112 degrees in Tahunga in leather clothes. Too. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, guys, you know, with all the advancements in technology and, you know, call me old fashioned, but boom, just seeing the, the filming on location at that old motel in Memento and just seeing LA back. I don't know. So, something about that filmmaking just really resonated with me. And, you know, I wish that the world would more resonate with the analog world. I know, Roger, I know I'm super old fashioned, but uh, I really, I really appreciated that. And I, I, I don't know, man, just. I agree. I mean, I the agree. Physicalness of just like being there and being present and just doing it on, you know, 
acting like Roger said in the open, you don't have to do 15 takes. You, you know, you, you know, your role, you know, where you have to be. The lighting is correct. And, and I'm not even a professional. I'm just a consumer of the content. And I'd watch a movie like Memento fucking a thousand times before I watched, uh, you know, one of these fancy productions, but uh, I'm an old fashioned guy. So I guess. Yeah, me too. But I, I just want to say, uh, Roger, why haven't you told me about the, this thing that you're doing? I, I, you know, I expect a call pretty soon. Okay. okay. You just will, like, you know, yeah. whatever. You're just, not, you're not going to like the actual content I'm creating. Oh God. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the Western I'm about to be making though, that's the phone call you'll be getting from me. Okay. Good. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about that too. I haven't, uh, I haven't done an odor in my life and I've always wanted to, you know, I love a good Western. Ah, me too. Boone, what, what film are you doing in Plattsburgh? Yeah. Plattsburgh was a uh, frozen river. See, I've been in really good movies, man. Frozen River is a freaking amazing movie. That is an amazing movie. Great acting, great, great writing, great, you know, everything. I mean, that, you know, that movie was made for $250,000 all in. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And and it got two nominations for Oscars. I mean, there's that. I, I mean, even the first movies that nominated for Oscars in like 28 or whatever it was, that, that they weren't made for $250,000. Not a movie in the history of Oscaridism was a movie. Was a, that, that's, a, that's an incredible accomplishment, that's actually. That's true. There was a movie called Once that was nominated for an Academy Award. It <laughs> was a feature length motion picture that only cost $10,000. And it's a musical. Uh, and it was nominated for best score. Okay, man, I I, I stand corrected. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, there goes I, Raj. I absolutely stand corrected. <laughs> hey, man, you got to work with the great Melissa Leo, and of course, I was running a department at Sundance at that time, and that was a huge Sundance. It won the oh, Grand yeah. Jury Prize. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I I think uh, uh, one one of the things that we like to do here, um, Boone, is. We always try to add a little uh, musical playlist on Spotify uh, to accompany, you know, one of our episodes. And, you know, I, I know that you are a musician. You like to to, to, to play music. I know uh, you're driven towards more of a, you know, you love blues, obviously. I know you're a blues fan. It was I'm not a, really a blues man, no. Eh, no, I said blues fan. I didn't say oh, blues, blues fan. fan. Yeah. I Toronto know. Blue Jays, you mean? Or yeah. no? <laughs> <laughs> St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Brad Hall. I'm pretty, pretty big. I mean, I love, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I really have very large musical tastes. I know you do. I know you do. Anyway. Uh, I, I, you know, I just, you know, throw out uh, some, some fine, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going to have something that represented you in any way, shape or form, uh, you can even email us afterwards. You don't even have to tell us. Uh, but if you had some um, anything you're listening to right now that interests you, you know, that that's the I, you know, it's weird. I, you know, for that memorial that I did for Tom Wright uh, with um, I wrote a song. So that's the only when I'm writing a, a song, I, I don't listen to really any music. It, I can't listen to any other music. 
Well, that, that's another thing. Where can I? I mean, can I find your stuff on Spotify? You got anything on there? No, I don't. I don't put anything up on Spotify. Um, they, they're if you if you want to support musicians, you you should um, uh, subscribe to Title because they pay musicians. T i t l e. T i d a l. Title. Didn't, didn't he sell that? J, that's Jay Z's firm, right? It was Jay Z's. I did he sell it? I think he did. Oh, and maybe the new one people don't pay the musicians. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> well, he, well, well, we know Jay Z got paid, and then uh, yeah, he got everyone paid. else is holding <laughs> the bag. Yeah, oh, yeah, he got paid. Um, as far as music, I'm you know, I, I'm just so I, I have been really my entire life shy about my musical thing. I'm trying, I mean, this song that I wrote for you know, this friend of mine for of 40 years is kind of, I, I, I thought I was gonna, I mean, I was really worried about not being able to get through it at the memorial and I, I did. And, you know, I hope it's kind of a springboard to t tell me, you know, get your ass in gear. I mean, I, you know, and, and make, put some music down on in the studio because I haven't in a long time. Right. I okay. really, actually, My heart goes out to you, man. That, that's not an easy, uh... Oh yeah, no, that was that was rough. That was, yeah. Well, he—I mean, he—he he went to, he was um, studied under Nicholas Ray. The oh, last yeah. thing that Ray did in in uh, at NYU, that water. Was, was in that was in that that master class. Yeah, that was a movie called Lightning Over Water, and that was. Well, that, uh, yeah, but that I mean, he it was a he was teaching a class at NYU. Right. Oh, okay. And 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 Sarah uh, Jarmish's wife. Oh, I know you're talking about his editor. There, no, he's it's no his wife. He edits he's movies a too. Filmmaker herself, Sarah Driver. Driver, right? She yeah. was all was early editor. Oh, maybe so, but um, and producer and Tom and you know, so I got I it was yeah, Nicholas Ray. What a what a man to be hanging around. I mean, you know, did you know? Him? No, I didn't. But you know, I you can just he's he's talk about great filmmakers. Oh yeah, Nicholas Ray is one of the yeah. I mean, they in used a to only place. Oh my god, it, it, that's that's a phenomenal picture. What did I just see recently? I saw one not one of his films that. What, it was the first movie John Derrick was ever in. You know, the guy who would go on to become uh, Bo Derrick's husband and the, the filmmaker. But it was one of his earliest films. Um, wow. And it wasn't it wasn't great. It was Humphrey Bogart. Knock on any door. Yeah, knock, knock on any door. That's I knew that that's what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Knock on any door. I just saw that recently. And they live no, by that's night. That's not a great movie, but, you know, it's a good it's one. Good. Yeah, I mean, they live by night. Johnny Guitar in a Lonely Place. You know, that's when he is... And of course, um, his biggest movie, uh, James Dean. Rebel Without a Cause. Without a Cause. Rebel Without a Cause. But he did Rebel Without a Cause. And and um, he also did 55 Days Over Peking. And he did the the Jesus movie that, you know, with Jeffrey Hunter. Hunter, uh, the King of Kings. King of Kings. Yeah, that's right. Did all that. He, 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 I mean, there, there's a lot of good Nick Ray stories, man. I know. About, I mean, well, first of all, about his wife, 
and his son. <laughs> that's, that's about the In a Lonely Place. Yes. He, he you know, he was married to Gloria Graham. Yeah. And he, he wrote In a Lonely Place. Yeah. He took it to the studio uh, and he wanted, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Gloria Graham to do it. And they wouldn't do it with Gloria Graham. And for a year and a half, he, he refused to, to do the thing. And then finally they broke down. This day that he fucking brought home the contract for her to do the movie, she handed him divorce papers and married his son. That fucking story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Godard famously wrote, Cinema is Nicholas Ray in the Cahoot uh, de Cinema a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The uh, boom. It's been it's been a, been over an hour, my friend, and okay. I think we we can make this thing go for for days on end. I mean, I you know, I well, you it's just I, fun talking to you, Roger. I I I can't wait. We, we should get together soon. Uh, you know, you cool hanging out these days? With the I, I mean, I'm I'm about to leave uh, on a trip for about two months, but. Uh, I'm driving all over the country with uh I got we we have an airstream and we're gonna oh, oh that awesome. sounds great. We gotta visit this, we got a wedding, then we gotta go to northern Wisconsin, then I gotta go to Orlando and blah blah blah, blah all over the place. When do you think that you're gonna start that? Starting that in like two weeks. Okay. So, well, like maybe uh, in the next two weeks we get together and go get something to eat. Uh, I, that that might not happen. <laughs> Oh, you have so much to do that I'm like, <laughs> I just got back from this trip and the blah, blah, blah. And I, and I, a bit. I, got, I started making a list today. I'm like, oh my God. All right. All right. But, all right. That's cool. We can try. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. All right. All right. Well, any last uh, ups, guys, for uh, our man Boone? I'll just say, uh, Boone, uh, coming into this episode, I looked at your uh, resume and uh, I said to myself, Man, this dude has just been working nonstop for uh, many years, and he's got the career that most actors should be envious of. And just uh, listening to your stories, I'm even more, uh, you know, I don't know what the right adjective is, impressed, or you're, you know, you, you're as legit as it gets, man. So thank you for taking the time, and I appreciate uh, being able to talk to you, man. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, Boone, it, it was a pleasure, man, and a fascinating, you know, journey. You took us from Cincinnati to Vermont to New York and all around and everywhere in it's between. It's really, it's really been, and to Hunger, too. It's been awesome, man. Thank you so much, and it's really great meeting you. If you could document that trip, that would be, that'd be cool, man. If you could do, like, just, like, a check-in oh, yeah. from the road, I would love to see <laughs> what you're doing, because it sounds like you're in a lot of cool places, man. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's... Uh... Got I get in the car with uh, an eighteen month old and <laughs> not know, the easiest and driving that that yeah. she's fantastic but who knows what how she'll hold up but um and then two dogs I got a year old crazy oh. crazy cattle so awesome it's gonna be an adventure man I we're gonna be missing the chicken who you know we had a chicken that did about thirty thousand miles laid eggs and. 13 states and on a plane and all kinds of you know and she just so, oh man you know, her. she laid oh. she laid a lot of eggs in the car 
Driving <laughs> down the road. Baby D. Baby D is gone, but uh, the, the memory of Baby D is very much here. Well, awesome, man. This one's for Baby D. Baby yeah. Boone. And you know, I love you. And I, you know, we'll 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 talk soon. And I'm again thank you for uh joining us today. I really appreciate it, my brother. Yeah, thank you, Raj. And uh that is the uh this episode of five dollar buzz. Uh please remember to hit subscribe or like uh if you're enjoying what you hear, and please um uh, or email us with any questions or comments you might have or any future topics or guests you might uh, have ideas for at $5 buzz. That's F I V E D O L L A R B U Z Z at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you straight away. Wait, wait, I get $5 for this, right? I get that check like in the mail, baby. That's right. You'll get $5 baby. <laughs> Uh, don't you go spending that unwisely oh no 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 all right big love guys have a great day Bye thank you, you. Yeah.